one. And we are recording with the great Claire Lopez, episode 770. It's a lot of episodes. Miss Claire Lopez, for all the new listeners who have not heard you before, who uh, for whatever reason have not heard you before, which is a shame because they should have all heard you by now. Please introduce yourself. Well, good to be with you again, Tommy, of course. Um, And uh, so, yes, I'm Claire Lopez, founder and president of Lopez Liberty, LLC. Long background in national security, in government, out of government, uh, in federal contracting, in uh, think tanks, Washington, D.C.-based think tanks, focused a lot on Iran, uh, other national security topics. Now, uh, independent and doing a lot of media on Iran, of course, and the nuclear talks uh, going on in Vienna, China, of course, and uh, its biological weapons program, and then, of course, Ukraine and Russia more recently. For all future listeners, today's Thursday, March 31st. I just realized today's Thursday. For the last two episodes, I've said today's Tuesday. Today's Thursday, March 31st, and I clearly need some sleep. 2022. Latest updates on Ukraine. I kind of want to jump in. I want to know your thoughts on does Biden have dementia or are these gaffes or gaffes or is he giving away the the secrets? Are we actually going into Ukraine with the 82nd Airborne and are we going to be removing Putin from power or is is it dementia? Is he going to get 25th? You know, when we look at some of these uh, press conferences that uh, President Biden holds, um, uh, different uh, news agencies have, uh, you know, zoomed in on those little the cards, cards that he holds, where uh, when they, you know, Tough they blow question. it up, you, you can see not just like talking points or some bullet points, maybe that some of us might use normally, but also the entire question uh, that's expected and maybe pre selected, I don't know, as well as the answers. Uh So, you know, he obviously needs that that kind of um, assistance uh, with with his uh, press conference uh, questions and answers. Um, uh, And and yeah, I do think that, you know, his cognitive um, difficulties uh, have led to quite a number of misstatements, most recently on uh, the trip to Europe, uh, in particular uh, to Warsaw, uh, where I guess there were about three, well, at least three major uh, slip ups. One was what you were just saying uh, there, Tommy, about uh, when, when, when he was speaking to the uh, 82nd Airborne troops. And the first thing that he said was something to the effect of don't jump. Well, they're airborne. Um, okay. And then he made the inference, at least not maybe specific, but inference that uh, they would be going to Ukraine. I don't think that's the case. I I don't think they're going to Ukraine at all. Um, And then he talked about um, uh, chemical warfare. And uh, should Vladimir Putin decide to unleash chemical warfare, um, you know, in, in, in Ukraine, Um, what would the United States do, I guess, was basically the question. And his answer was, we'll reply in kind, we'll respond in kind, which is utterly untrue, unthinkable, 
the United States is a signatory and an observing signatory to the Chemical Weapons Convention, um, under under which um, uh, we have renounced completely the use of chemical warfare, biological warfare too, uh, under the Biological Warfare Convention. Um, so that that is not a correct answer either. Um, respond forcefully, respond immediately. Something to that effect would have been a better answer, obviously. Um, so, you know, um, th these kinds of, of, of slip ups. And then uh, what was it? Something he, he, he just said um, very recently, um, maybe it was even uh, like yesterday. And uh, he seemed to indicate that American troops were training Ukrainian troops in Poland. Now, I don't know if that's true or not true. Um, I doubt it's something that should have been spoken publicly, publicly were it true. Um, we do know that uh, a small number of American troops rotating in and out uh, have been helping to train Ukrainian troops inside of Ukraine ever since 2014. That is certainly true. Uh, but that more recent statement to the effect that American troops were training Ukrainians on Polish soil, um, as I said, I, I don't know if that's true or not true, but either way, probably not something that should have been uh, spoken at a presidential press conference. So just a small sampling of some of the, I mean, you can call them gaffes or he's just blurting things out that aren't on the little cards. Um, hard to say, but, um, you know, it, it's probably time to just keep him home. And I don't mean to depend on the vice president, Kamala Harris, either, because as we'll recall, during her recent uh, trip to um, Eastern Europe, she also was hopeless. The, the worst of all was probably that uh, joint press conference um, with, um, I think it was the president of Poland. I think so. I, I remember. And uh, the question put to her was something, put to both of them, really, was something about, um, you know, what would we do to help and take care of Ukrainian refugees? And, you know, Kamala not only looked to her counterpart uh, to answer the question, sort of deferring to him when the question was really more, I think, put to her, but then she burst out into this weird cackling that she does laughing and laughing it wasn't a, a humorous topic in any way shape or form so uh you know the alternative to joe is is really not kamala either um hard put to say what would be better um well i can think what would be better it would be a a completely different administration but we don't have that right now you know what the hell is going on? Like with Biden, I can, I think it's pro in all of my medical expertise. I think it's probably like dementia. It, that's what it seems like. It seems like it's onset dementia, probably like rapidly onsetting. And it's sad. Yeah. Kamala just seems in, like insane. Well, I mean, the thing is that, you know, those within the Democrat party uh, and his wife, Jill, 
you know, all and the media, I can't leave out the media, all work together together to, to, to shove him across, you know, the finish line this uh, last election back in November of 2020, when they knew full well that he was not up to the job of being commander in chief, much less leader of the free world. And they did it anyway, um, because they knew I mean, this is this is my interpretation. Anyway, they they expected, even at that point, two years, well, year and a half ago, um, you know, that he he would not be able to manage the responsibilities of the position, but that there would be um, a junta, if you will. I've called it that before, a ruling junta uh, comprised of people like his chief of staff, Ron Klain maybe others, perhaps including Susan Rice, perhaps including, um, you know, secretaries of state, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and uh, the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know who, who, who all, but in, in, including folks like that would actually be running U.S. government national security policy. And uh, it didn't matter, you know, that, that Joe Biden himself would not be actually in charge, uh, but that they would. That that that's what's happened. I think, in my in my uh, you know opinion. Yeah, I think that it's kind of the only logical conclusion you can come to is not just that this guy has dementia. Looks like we're just going to follow his orders lockstep. It's no it, people around him are much like elderly people with dementia are often taken advantage of. That's exactly what's happening around. There's a there's an unnamed, unelected, unaccountable junta around them. Yeah. And they they get to set policy, run policy, and uh, this is just fine with them and the compliant U.S. mainstream media. Yeah, and it's great because, and then any backlash just falls on Joe. It doesn't come to them. They're the unnamed junta. I guess so, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, 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 that's the other part of it, true. Yeah, it's hiding behind the, like the board of directors of a corporation and everything mm-hmm, falls on this mm-hmm. face of the CEO. Um, so with uh, on a less depressing note on uh, Ukraine. Whoops, wrong button. I just pressed a button. I meant to press volume. I'm losing my mind like Joe Biden mm-hmm. on the situation. I'm sorry. On the situation in Ukraine, though, it seems like it seems like there was a, kind of if i'm not if i'm not mistaken that zelensky was maybe open to some sort of talks with putin and it seems like biden and this is this is my theory on it is that is that you know what happened with with russia going into ukraine allowed uh xi jinping and china to see what would happen kind of theoretically if they went into taiwan and from our standpoint, and this is actually kind of in Biden's defense, which I don't do, but I'll just go with it, is that if we just allow Putin and Zelensky to come come to terms with each other and Putin just gets to take a little bit of Ukraine and there's really no massive reprisal, if I'm the U.S., I'm looking at that as that's not the precedent we want to set with China. The precedent we want to set with China is that you can't have an inch, which maybe could explain why Biden goes in there when it seems like things are cooling off a little bit. And he goes in there and says, 82nd Airborne's going in. We're going to use chemical weapons. Biden has to be, or uh, uh, Putin has to be removed. 
is there maybe that is is it less of a we're doing this against Putin and is it an act against China to say hey you can't just come in and there will be no appeasement or is it is it really just an unhinged dementia adult Biden? Well, I mean, it's it, it's kind of hard uh, to to follow what's going on in terms of a coherent, cohesive U.S. government policy regarding uh, Ukraine and Russia. Uh, and I wanted to bring this up. I wanted to mention, um, you know, the most recent announcement, I guess, out of the U.S. intelligence community um, to the effect that, well, you know, Putin has been um, isolated by his own inner circle and they're not really telling him everything that's going on and they haven't revealed to him how bad the losses of the Russian army are inside of Ukraine um, or how successful the Ukrainians have been in holding off the Russians and even beginning these last several days to push the Russians back and out of certain places, uh, peripheral places, let's say to some of the major cities. Um, so, you know, this, uh, well, Putin really doesn't know. And, 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 and uh, I, I, I've got my suspicions about that. And I'll, I'll admit there, there's some suspicions, not necessarily um, based on hard evidence because we don't have that, but, it seems to me that this line of, um, I don't know, narrative um, might be um, a kind of a lame attempt by the US national security folks to um, give Putin an excuse, give Putin an out. Mm. Now I've talked about uh, giving uh, Putin an off ramp from this, this assault, from this invasion. But what I was talking about were things like what is being discussed, as far as I can tell, by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, and also in various mediated talks that I understand are going on uh, with Turkish mediators, perhaps with Israeli government mediators, um, and Europeans. Uh, and, and those would be things like well, Ukraine um, is not going to be a member of NATO uh, anytime soon, doesn't meet the criteria, not going to meet the criteria. Um, number two, perhaps uh, Crimea, facts on the ground, already is under Russian control. And to all intents and purposes, um, with the um, agreement of, of the Crimean people who did vote in a referendum, uh, after 2014. Um, so that's two. And then number three, um, the most contentious issue, um, I think, I, mean, I guess most observers probably would say, would be the status of the Donbass, you know, where these two oblasts are located, Donetsk and Luhansk, and, and what would be the status of, of that area, uh, those two oblasts and the breakaway so-called uh, republics within each of those most contentious. But those are the three topics that I would think of as, uh, you know, potentials for uh, off-ramps, if you want to call it that, um, you know, that could be under discussion in these various mediated talks between Zelensky uh, and Putin um, and so forth. But, uh, you know, but but not um, saying, well, Putin 
gets off the hook because, well, he really just didn't know what was going on. And, you know, his, his senior military and intelligence, uh, military commanders and intelligence and, uh, you know, advisors, uh, just they, they, they deceived him. He, he really didn't know what was happening. I, I'm not buying that for a minute. And I'm just really suspicious of our own um, intel community narrative that, that seems to be being pushed here just today, yesterday, I guess we've heard that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going for that. I'll. I'll go for the off ramp of the three things I just uh, mentioned. What do you think about the kind of like floating of the idea amongst the mainstream media outlets, which are in bed with the current administration, about like the acceptability of a small nuclear war? <laughs> Is the most no ins- such thing as no. I know that, it's that insane. A, uh, that, that's crossing the Rubicon. That that it's, must not cannot happen. It's the it end of the world. It's the end of the world. It will very quickly go from strategic to uh, strategic tactical nuclear weapons to the megaton monsters. It it simply is a line that must not be crossed. Like other WMD, I mean, like chemical and biological. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, the idea that there's like opinion pieces, it's like small nuclear war is inevitable, but here's why that's a good thing. And it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, but do you think do you think there's any substanti- substanti- yeah, substantiation to the claims that uh, China was going to uh, invade Taiwan this fall, but now they're not going to? I don't know. Um, obviously, um, the, the CCP, Xi Jinping, very much want to um, drag Taiwan um, back uh, into China proper. Um, It'll be noted, of course, that historically Taiwan is not a province of China, has never been a province of China, but nevertheless, that's their objective. That's their stated goal uh, repeatedly. Uh, I think I've talked before about um, reasons why such an invasion by China of Taiwan might be postponed. Uh, And one of those was the um, uh, November this year, November 2022 um, meeting of the Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party to vote and uh, either uh, decide to give or not give Xi Jinping his coveted but unprecedented third term as party leader. Um, he does have internal opposition. I don't know that that is enough to prevent him from winning that vote. But nevertheless, uh, November is just now as we, be, you know, we're, we're entering April here this year, basically. Um, and uh, that that means that November is about seven months off, more or less. And I'm, I'm not sure that um, Xi Jinping and the CCP having watched this whole past five weeks of the stumbling, bumbling uh, Russian attempted invasion of Ukraine um, held back and halted in so many places by uh, the fierce opposition of the Ukrainian people and army under the leadership of their president. Having watched that and realizing um you know, the likelihood that, that Taiwan would be at least as difficult an objective to, to take as Ukraine, if not more, 
um, being armed and trained, again, by U.S. military uh, in Taiwan, also, by the way, uh, armed and trained um, with some of the most advanced weaponry um, available, and also the fact that an invasion of Taiwan would not be across land either. It would be, um, you know, an amphibious uh, landing across water. What is it, 90 miles um, of distance between China uh, and Taiwan? Um, and so, you know, uh, it may be that the, uh, the CCP is, is uh, having some second thoughts about that. I don't think it changes their desire, their determination to, to grab Taiwan, uh, but I think it might affect their military planning. Um, and also, here's the other thing, um, you know, watching the entire world essentially unify mm -hmm. uh, against Russia in financial terms, in diplomatic terms, uh, and in military terms, you know, providing defensive weapons to Ukraine from, from everywhere. Uh, watching that uh, and realizing you know, that, that Russia has just turned itself into a pariah state. Yeah. Um, and is, Russia is devastating its own economy, even worse than it was before, as well as taking huge military losses, uh, none of which can be recouped quickly, even were the conflict to, to end very quickly now or soon, you know, even then, it, were that to happen, which doesn't look likely, um, Russia would not be able to recoup those terrific losses that it sustained. Um, China's watching all that. And while Russia will continue to be China's gas station and maybe supermarket, I'm talking about oil, gas, and agricultural products like grains, wheat, that China needs from Russia, um, I'm not sure that China looks at Russia anymore um, as an asset, but perhaps more as um, a vassal state. I, I think that's where Russia's headed vis-a-vis -vis China, to be a vassal state, which is how China, over you know centuries of history, has tended to look at uh, barbarians, as they would call them. Today, I think we would call Russia barbaric as well. Um, but, but, you know, that, that Russia is not as much of an asset to China as perhaps a growing liability to be associated with it, uh, openly to be propping it up economically. They've not chosen, China has not chosen, uh, to, to assist Russia militarily in any way, um, so I think China is looking at all of those factors um, with regard to Taiwan and with regard to its own relationship going forward with Russia itself. Is the U.S.-China conflict inevitable? Like, well, we're already in a conflict. I mean, as far back as mid-2019, yeah, when they um, um, an outlet of the Chinese Communist Party, mouthpiece um, media outlet, uh, declared people's war against the United States. So, I mean, let's make no mistake, we're already at war with China, but, you know, given the way they look at warfare based on, of course, 
1999 Unrestricted uh, Warfare um, Manual, Warfare Manual written by two uh, PLA colonels at the time. Uh, given that that's how China looks at warfare and 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 lists in that in that document, um, I don't know. It's it's almost two dozen. I think twenty something different spheres of warfare to include, um, uh, you know, technological warfare, commercial warfare, trade warfare, uh, diplomatic warfare, biochemical warfare, and many others. Uh, the fact that they look at warfare in that kind of a holistic way, uh, when we of the West, and especially here in the United States, we haven't quite grasped that yet. We don't ourselves um, understand that kind of warfare, and we don't, uh, to practice it ourselves, I mean, and, and we don't, um, we don't understand how China is doing that. So when uh, this Chinese mouthpiece talks about, you know, people's war against the United States, I don't think our leadership in national security actually understood what that meant. And they may have construed it at that time, it was in 2019, uh, to mean something like tit for tat with then President Trump's, you know, trade sanctions and that sort of thing. Well, that's not what the Chinese mean. They mean the full scope of unrestricted warfare as laid out in that, it's quite a slim, really, monograph. It's very worth reading in English, of course, translation. Um, but, but we're not grasping that. And uh, that is how the Chinese uh, are fighting us. Uh, and so, yes, we are at war with China because they said so. So I guess, and maybe this is maybe this is the answer, is that it won't be a hot war in the traditional mm -hmm. sense. I guess that's what I was asking, but maybe that, that that's the whole purpose, is for them to avoid well, a hot war. Well, remember, again, uh, you know, another um, famous uh, Chinese uh, writer, Sun Tzu, from uh, many centuries ago, uh, talked about um, how it is the highest objective of warfare to actually win the war Before it's without all. going oh. into kinetic warfare. And, and that's, that's exactly what unrestricted warfare is based upon. And so when we look at, um, you know, the way China has infiltrated our institutions. Let's 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 talk about that. I just finished reading a few days ago Peter Schweitzer's new book, Red Handed. And in it, he describes how China over the last decades, and I mean 20 plus years, has succeeded in infiltrating our academic institutions, our media institutions, our government institutions, public health, you could go on and on. Perfect perfect implementation of unrestricted warfare, but they're inside of our country, our government, our institutions right now and have been for a long time and are gaining um, influence as we speak. So yeah, to your question, the, the answer is yes. Um, they do think that they can uh, take us over or at least take us down uh, without necessarily firing a shot. Although, of course, that is the ultimate threat uh, and, 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 you know, the ultimate um, 
you know, danger to be to be avoided if we can. But understanding and countering all these other ways that they're at war with us. It kind of seems like that's the only way we could beat them, though, which is, I mean, a, a terrible conclusion to come to that you'd want to maybe goad them into war because that's that's where we can beat them. It's like, oh, I'm not sure we can. Really? Um, certainly not. Not in the east. Uh, in in the uh, East Asia area. No, certainly not in in uh, you know China's expanding zone of influence across the South China Sea. I was just reading about the Solomon Islands today uh, and other places in, in the Pacific. Um, uh, but, but, you know, even, even putting that aside, and I hope to put it aside, the, the, the infiltration, the penetration, and uh, the suborning, the internal sub- suborning of our institutions to Chinese influence, I think perhaps is, is already. Uh, at, at a danger pitch in terms of the national security threat to the Republic. You know, what did I just list? I listed academia, mm-hmm. you know, generations of our students. Um, and then the, the influence that influences that continue on our campuses, thousand Island, or thousand, thousand talents program, uh, Confucius institutes and that sort of thing. Um, you know, the, the outright buying of influence uh, in, in our corporate world, Wall Street, um, you know, Silicon Valley. Peter Schweitzer goes into all of these areas in, in, in really great detail. It's very readable, uh, by the way. It's, it's not a hard read. It's a, it's a, it's a hefty book, but it's, it's very readable, red-handed. Um, you know, when we look at that kind of penetration and of our government institutions, you know, right at the tippy top of our political parties and presidency, Chinese influence bought and paid for. Um, that, to me, seems a, uh, a very immediate and critical danger to the republic. Uh, whereas outright direct kinetic military conflict uh, hope to, you know, put that off, keep that away. Um, but these other ways of, of, you know, suborning this Republic, you know, are already in, 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 in full view. If we care to look. I'm going to write the name of that book down right now. Red handed. Yeah, I don't I'm looking, I don't have it right here in front of me, but the, uh, the main title is red handed. And then there's a subtitle, uh, but Peter Schweitzer and it's a brand new book just out, I guess, uh, what the end of last year, I think. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, so how does the United States get out of this then? How do we wriggle out of this? This Well, number token? one, awareness. And, you know, thanks to you and, and, and other outlets like you, podcasts, uh, radio, TV, Epoch Times has been doing yeoman's work, uh, information, accurate information, education uh, of the American people. Uh, because obviously, you know, the answers to this, the pushback's not going to come uh, much, at least, uh, from Capitol Hill, at least not until uh, our midterm congressional elections later this year in November of 2022, taking office not until whoever wins, you know, not taking office until January of the following year. So what I'm saying is that this is going to have to happen. The awareness 
um, and 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 the the pushback is going to have to happen at local levels, and it can happen at local levels. When when I'm talking about academia, I'm talking about those who are influential in funding, maybe their alma maters, for example, um, and uh, letting leadership at those institutions know why, well, you're not getting an alma mater gift from me this year. Um, those kinds of things. Um, and, and then of course elections. And again, at the local level too, because it's so important there uh, where the Chinese influence is um, as concentrated, I, I would say, as at the upper levels, uh, you know, of Congress or, or uh, the White House. Um, it is at the local levels and, and there people in local communities, once aware, once knowing what's going on, um, can do something about it. So I, I guess that's what I would say, that, that it begins with awareness. And I think uh, American people are becoming aware uh, more and more about what China has been doing to us, is doing to us, and, and then also what they can do uh, to counter that, again, at the local level. Um, how much, uh, how much Chinese influence do you think is in specifically the, the, the White House junta? Because, you know, when I look at someone like Biden and, you know, I, I, I tend to look at it as dementia and I look at someone as Kamala and I go, it's incompetence. But then part of me goes, I mean, how much of this is a controlled demolition that's being pawned off as incompetence and dementia? Well, uh, again, I'm 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 going to refer people to Peter Schweitzer, and he's done a number of interviews too. Even if you, you know, haven't gotten the book yet or been able to read all the way through it yet, uh, Peter Schweitzer has been doing a lot of interviews um, on networks uh, like uh, Newsmax and One America News and Fox News, um, also uh, online outlets like Epoch Times. Look at some of those, uh, even as maybe you're making your way through the book, which, as I said, is a, you know, it's a, it's a hefty book. Uh, could take some time to get through that. But in the meantime, pay attention to what Peter Schweitzer is telling us. Um, this corruption, uh, and there's no other way to put it, 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 is, it was targeted at the Biden family, okay, for years, going back to the Obama administration years when the current president, Joe Biden, was vice president. And uh, there, there's just no other way to put this, but, but Hunter Biden, his son, was bagman for the entire family uh, in mafia terms. And um, the largesse um, that he raked in, including a lot of it. I mean, I'm talking about millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars uh, from well, lots of places, Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, but especially overall China. Uh, that, that, that money was distributed uh, within the family. And uh, as the uh, laptop from hell, name of the book, uh, excellent, another book by Miranda Devine uh, says, um, and, uh, you know, give, gives the evidence within that book, um, you know, that those, uh, those, uh, those donations, those payments to, to Hunter Biden um, were used, uh, yes, to pay off the big guy and uh, family bills across the family. That is a crime family. There's just no other way to put it. 
do you think anything's going to come of the the Durham investigation, or is that is that just delusional hope? Hard hard to say. Um, you know, we'll all have noticed that just very recently the um, what was it? The FEC, right? Um, fined uh, Hillary Clinton and fined who else was it? A certain uh, figures within the Democrat Party, I believe. I mean, minimal, really token amounts of, of money, find them uh, for for certain behavior roles, you know, in, in Russiagate. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, when we read not so long ago some of the court filings um, submitted by uh, Special Prosecutor Durham, uh, they seem to point to, they seem to indicate that uh, the investigation was serious, certainly ongoing, maybe getting closer to the inner inner circle that perpetrated this hoax on the country and, and uh, you know, four year, um, just f- four year hoax, uh, you know, against the, the Trump administration. We're just going to have to wait and see. I, I've got no, uh, you know interview of what's going on there like anyone else just waiting to see um so one guy I've, I've interviewed twice in like the last two weeks is brandon weikert who wrote the book winning space how america remains a superpower and his his argument is that um so much can be alleviated by just taking the domination of the high ground and of controlling the I mean, really, like the skies being yeah. orbit, geosynchronous orbit. Um, is there well, any? China ho- certainly is doing that, right? Well, yeah. But um, I don't know if anybody watching uh, here today, perhaps watched earlier this morning, uh, when that uh, that uh, space launch uh, went off, taking six passengers up to the edge of space, right, and and bringing them back. Quickly, I mean, it was a very short flight. I don't know, like ten minutes or something, bringing them safely back down to Earth, uh, gently landing that um, rocket, the the you know the booster um, missile, gently landing it smack dab in the middle of the circle, the target circle for the landing, and then bringing separately down uh, the, 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 the separated capsule with, with the six passengers, bringing them down safely, uh, back down to earth. Um, and, and the reason I'm referring to this is that, um, it seems to me that, um, yes, China, China has stolen a march on us with regard to space. I mean, satellite killers and, uh, you know, they have militarized space. Uh, that's part of unrestricted warfare too. Um, but what we're seeing now is just really so exciting. Um, a launch, you know, space flight or near space flight like we saw today. Um, or and, um, you know, the involvement of an Elon Musk, let's say, with SpaceX. Yeah. And, um, you know, his uh, collaboration, I think, probably with our space command yeah. to uh, put up into space. Um, backups um you know fallbacks uh you know resilience uh to potential future attacks by china so 
you know, it's it, it's it's interesting to watch. I mean, President Trump is the one, of course, who um, developed and 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 launched our space command while he was in office. But now we're looking at uh, America's, you know, strong strong suit, and that is our private sector ingenuity uh, and and initiative. Uh, but in collaboration, I think probably with Space Command. I hope that's the case. It looks like it to me, but what do I know? Um, but but that gives me uh, encouragement to watch, and um, that may be where our um, our counter, credible counter to to, to China's military militarization of space, may be coming from. That's and that's what I I hope it is is. I mean, we we have Elon Musk. He's the he's the Tom Brady. Like we have this guy, and it can't all fall. Under. I mean, we also have Bezos. You know, Bezos isn't as much as a as like sort of a media playboy as Musk, but I mean, he's he's no idiot either. Um, the, I do think. I mean, Mr. Weikert lays out because he I mean, Mr. Weikert, he, he was brought into like brief the Air Force like a week ago on like hypersonic missiles. I, I haven't yet, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you, you. I think you really. I, when I thought of you when I read the book, I, hmm? it's, it's. I think you'd be wildly interested, and that's, that's actually something I'm, I'm. You know, I've interviewed a ton of candidates running for Congress, and I've done my best to like put together interviews with them, with you know, Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough, so they can go on speeches and talk about vaccine mandates and all that good stuff. But I'm thinking about kind of shifting now. I want to start trying to bring on as many like experts as I, because his his book really kind of scared the shit out of me but it also gave me hope in that i was like as you just said i do think it is like a credible counter that that the u.s could still sort of pull out on and i want to try to start bringing awareness to that i want to get on generals i want to i have my whole plan where i want to start kind of bringing attention to it and showing that like it can be done and i think with with elon i think that you're having it's it's having the same sort of romantic romanticism that like the moonshot did where it wasn't just mm-hmm. we gotta beat the soviets it's like no we're gonna walk on the moon and and sure it leads to a bunch of other the corona the keyhole the satellites the nro the national geospatial agency it has a lot of those aspects that maybe aren't as sexy and declassified but i think you almost need a uh like a like a headline grabbing publicity thing like walking on the moon and it pulls everything else forward it sort of raises the tide and that's kind of again it might just be my own romanticism but i think that's like someone what like an elon musk can do whether it's shooting a car into space or it's starlink or it's you know trying to get a guy to mars i do think that is like like that's our fighting chance yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And and that's a great idea for future programs too. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to start trying to do and it sounds insane, but I also realized that if two two and a half years ago you said I'd be interviewing Dr. Malone and putting him in touch with guys running for Senate, I would have said you're oh, high. There you go. So my logic is like I'm going to set an impossible goal and see if I can't see if I can actually start pushing forward like a more massive budget for space force or something. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'm just delusional, but no, it all sounds good to me. 
and I know you got to run, so I will let I you do. go. I completely forgot. I realized I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> as, as I said, I'll, I'll give you, I'll aim to let you go 10 minutes before and I'll end up giving you five. So I will let you go. <laughs> Miss Carla Lopez, I'll put your Twitter, your websites, all that good stuff in the description. I will see you Thank next you. week. Everybody go follow her, go check out her writings, go check out her interviews. It's fantastic. As always, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Tommy. Yes, ma'am. Take care.